My father went to the world's end, said Rillian thoughtfully. It would be a marvelous thing if his son went to the bottom of the world. If your highness wants to see your father while he's still alive, which I think he'd prefer, said Puddleglum, it's about time we were getting on to that road to the diggings. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're, we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Cal. Thank you for joining us. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the sixth book in the series, The Silver Chair, but general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up, that we go on to tangents into random stuff in life and culture uh, that we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we're talking about uh, The Silver Chair, Chapter 14, The Bottom of the World. Which... Again, as we've discussed, bad chapter title, because as we will hear in this book, we're not at the bottom of the world. And in no. fact, even the thing that we talk about is not the bottom of the world. There are more bottoms that we still have not discovered. And Chase, yeah. we like to talk about a good bottom. Yeah, the world has a huge bottom. Uh, hopefully for Great British Breakout fans, it's not a soggy bottom. But... Uh, and as, as long as the rise is good. Gotta let it rise, gotta let it bake long enough, you know? Um, but, Chase, I'd love to give you a summary if I can. That sounds fantastic. My man Mabarat, just kidding, it's actually Golg. Uh, that is the uh, gnome's name as he introduces himself. Uh, and he tells them about how an hour ago they were doing their sad, monotonous work when all of a sudden they heard a crash and a bang. And then they realized that they had been enchanted. They threw down their burdens and saw the red light and figured that a chasm must have appeared into one of the lands below them. He explained that deeper down was the land of Bism, a lovely place that didn't like the shallow lands where the witch was because she had used magic to lure them there and enchanted them to work for her. Jill explained that uh, she was glad they freed the gnomes and they weren't bad guys. Hooray! The puddle of caution the gnomes uh, had been moving in battle formations. Gold confirmed this was because they didn't know the witch was dead. Uh, and they were determined to fight rather than stay here. Good things, you know. Rillian asked if he knew the way to the dig site where the invasion of Overland was going to happen, and he said yes, but he'd rather die than go down and go down it since it was too near the surface. He couldn't understand why the Overlanders would like it there. Blah, surface world, uh, crawling around like flies on top of the world. Puddleglum wanted Golg to show them that road at once, but Rillian said they should wait an hour. And they rode around with the gnome, declaring that the witch was dead and the overlanders weren't dangerous. Uh, and before long, Underland was ringing with shouts and cheers as opposed to battle cries. The party rode up to the chasm and they looked down to the land of Bism, a warm, fiery, bright country. Uh, Golg said they should uh, come down to uh, Bism rather than the cold, naked overland. Uh, then uh, the prince was really tempted, said this was enticing but wondered if men could even survive down there. And Golf told them of the fiery salamanders that were like dragons with clever tongues. Jill didn't like this idea, but was surprised that uh, Eustace, who is, you know, half dragon at this point, uh, looked more like the prince than old uh, Scrub from Experiment House. And he was pretty, he, he seemed kind of excited. Eustace said if Reapacheep were there, he'd say their duty was to follow that new adventure. Golg offered to show them real gold and silver and diamonds as opposed to those fake ones that are on the surface that Jill's uh, talking about. Because she's like, hey, we've got those that are by, like that are closer to the surface, and 
Golga's like, those are just scratches in the earth uh, that they could only find dead jewels. Uh, and they'd never want to, you know, see, like, they'd never want to return if they saw the real things that were alive and growing. Chase, alive and growing minerals? That's dangerous. Uh, don't like the sound of that to me. Really noted that his father went to the edge of the earth, and it would only be fitting for his son to plumb to the depths to go to the bottom of the world. But Puddle Glum pointed out it'd be better for him to see his father if he was still alive, and they should go now. Uh, Gold pointed them to the road, and then a voice called out to them the, to the chasm. Tubism was closing, and all the gnomes were rushing inside. They said, they said goodbye to Gold. The chasm closed, leaving it dark once again, and they set off for the lamplit road to Overland. They had to ride through some water to get to the path, and they began uphill as far as the eye could reach. Uh, looking back, they saw that all the underland had been flooded. They continued up and up the path until it became a steep tunnel, and they began to pass uh, picks and shovels. At last, the roof was so low they could knock their heads against it, so they dismounted. At this point, it began getting darker as the lamps that lit the path were going out until they were in absolute darkness. Rillian encouraged them that whether they live or die, Aslan would be their good lord. Uh, and they went forward in the darkness and found a cold blue light that they couldn't quite reach unless someone were perchance to get on someone else's shoulders. And then the chapter ends. That's it. That's all that happened. That's all lots of walking, lots of talking. Yep. It, uh, you know, at least we, uh, we find out his name is Golg. Shout out to you for uh, pushing through all the times that autocorrect turned it into golf. Man, I yeah, it was at least like two or three times that I was I thought like, I caught them, but uh, it just kept going. It just kept golfing. The world keeps golfing, and it doesn't stop golfing. Uh, but it, like he introduces himself, and basically he's like, "Hey, you know, about an hour ago, we all just kind of like woke up from our trance, and uh, you know, we were like something happened. So let's you know, let's figure out what's going on." And they saw this light. And they're like, oh, cool. Like an entrance to one of the lands below, uh, like must have wow. opened up. You know, classic. Like what? And you what, what like, else Wait. do you think when a giant hole appears in the earth? Oh, I mean, it's definitely not, you know, this is the place where it's going to open up into the earth's core and we're going to burn to death. It's yeah. probably you know, more like uh, a journey to the center of the world where it's just a sweet, beautiful land that's in the middle of a hollow earth. But also kind of still a molten lava hellscape. That was interesting to me. It's so here we have a lot of questions. And because if you remember from last week's pod, we there's not a lot that happens in this chapter. So we're going to have to fill our time here. We've discussed Narnia is a flat world. Yeah. So this could go down infinitely. So it's not necessarily flat as much as it is a cube. <laughs> what? <laughs> like if like when most people think flat, it's like a, you know, like a disc or like a plane. Like this one what? has like how deep does Narnia go? Because at a certain point, yeah, sure, the surface is still flat. But, like, if Bism is just one of the the lands, you know, like, going into the, the really deep lands a thousand fathoms below, a fathom is a long distance. Like, is it, how deep? 
is this flat world. I mean, yeah, maybe this is just like they're on top of a cylinder. And it's just, they can, it's, it's like yeah. a seven layer dip. And <laughs> in Narnia is the crunchy stuff on top. And 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 and, and Bism is the one. Under, Underland is is like a thin layer of mayonnaise because it's one of those kind of weird dips. Yeah. And then underneath that is a uh, Bism in the really deep lands that were closer to the stove, so they're really hot. Yeah, B- Bism. And everything else is, is a part that got a little burnt. And then under that, weirdly enough, it's cold. And then yeah. underneath that. It's a uh, meatloaf. <laughs> it's meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, it's Rachel's trifle from Friends. Yeah. And then uh, underneath the meatloaf layer, it's like weirdly high tech for no reason. Yeah, yeah. It it just keeps going. It's like these are the things that C.S. Lewis like because he does not provide maps or provide like intensive world building to the likes of which like modern authors you would in something like this where it's like is this you know like what kind of world is this where he's like yeah the world has an end but also it's so deep that there are thousands of fathoms of like you know it's like wait what kind of world is this how is it hotter below if there's not a core that's based on gravity that pulls yeah. everything together. No, that's the thing. Because, like, Puddleglum said last chapter, like, oh, that light must be a volcano coming to fill us up with lava. But now I'm like, okay, well, are there even volcanoes in this world? Because it doesn't seem like there would be, because we know that's not how the world formed in, in Narnia, because we watched Aslan do it. And then also, like, there's no layer of lava other than just a fire river in Bism, but that's actually a chill yeah. fun thing to go hang it's out. Actually, it's actually pretty dope. The fiery salamanders are there, yeah. uh, which some and people would call cool. dragons. But, you know, like, it's again, it's just a weird... I love, I, I like world building, and I'm a fan of these things, but I wish he gave, if he's going to provide anything, provide more things. Yeah, and also, like, the move of making an underworld that does have a lake of fire be actually a chill, cool place that you want to go to is a weird move given C.S. Lewis's other views, which is, is chill. Like it's the world he built, but it's, uh, yeah, it's you. I, I, I don't know what he's going for on a certain level. And, it's more just like, oh, what if they looked through this window into this other cool place that I'm not going to tell them anything about? Right. But then we move on. you know. And, and here's the thing. We're going to spend more time in Bism because basically most of this chapter is just Golg being a travel agent for Bism and being yeah. like, come visit beautiful Bism. Uh, a successful travel agent chapter. Yeah. And... So we move forward and Jill's like, man, I'm so glad that the gnomes aren't actually bad because we, you know, cut off the witch's head and they turned out to be great as opposed to horrid and gloomy. And the prince wasn't really, well, like the prince was, you know, a little humor there. Um, and they're like, Puddleglum, again, voice of reason, 
is going, okay, sure, but y'all were also in military formation. What in the world are you doing? Because it looks like you're about to attack us, and I still don't trust you guys. And Golg is like, fair point, fair point. Uh, and the whole time, he's calling all of them your honor with, like, capital H, which is, like, very, like, honorific, very... Uh, they, they are wearing judges' robes this whole time. And and those curly white wigs, uh, yeah. which is fun, because That's British. That's the only thing that really had in his closet. And he's like, he's like, great point, Your Honor. He's like, well, we didn't know what was going on, so we didn't know we were going to have to fight the queen. All we knew is we were freed from our enchantment. We knew that she had enchanted us, and we were like, well, we'd rather die than spend any more time here, which is, you know, real valiant of these gnomes. Uh, appreciate it's funny that. though that the reason they'd rather die than spend more time there isn't because they didn't like the work that she had them doing. It's because it's too close to the surface. Too yeah. cold, Cal. It's too dang cold in the semi-underland uh, as opposed to the really underland. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. You know, logic. Gotta love you know, it. It exists. It's here. And, and like, it's I do like this, and it's it's a good thing where it's like you're getting the perspective of like because you're in this world below the surface, things would be normal for them below the surface, and above the surface would be weird. But whereas we are thinking about it, you know, opposite, where like the heroes are going, no, it's super weird that y'all are below surface. Like, why wouldn't you want to be above the surface? That's where like you can run around and you can see the stars. And they're like, wow, it's so cold above the surface. Like, it's so naked. You know, it's, you're not protected from the earth. Like, I like that he's giving that perspective. And he's like, his goal is like, I don't know how you guys could live there. Like, I could show you the road to get there, but I'm not going to be the one that crosses it because, like, that sounds horrible. Like, he's like, that's miserable for me. I want to go to Bism, beautiful, fiery Bism. Yeah, he'd rather go to Miami than Alaska. Miami, Mr. 305, Dale, Golg. Uh, Speaking of Golg. <laughs> Golg, Timber. Um, but, yeah, he's like, I, I do like that, though. I, I appreciate that they're adding that little, like, perspective things of, like, hey, we're not always the ones that are thinking about things in the normal, quote-unquote, way, right? And that's a very, like, western thing to do is like hey our way is the right way our way is the normal way and everyone else is weird and it's like well no not necessarily like everyone else has a valid reason for doing things the way that they do them even if they seem foreign to us uh you know and i don't and i appreciate again this is one of the few times of like racial sensitivity that i think you know c.s lewis operates with where the gnomes don't necessarily represent anyone you know they're just that's for no. the best. That's for the best. <laughs> They're just get... another species who lives somewhere else. Yeah. I in mean, the next bowl people, if we were doing it further up and further in, which sure. again, glad we're not. We're not. Mole people is is definitely a a trope. I'm glad it's not like a secret society type thing. Yeah. And but like he didn't give them funny accents. He he's not giving them garb that makes you think that they're a certain people group. They're just gnomes, and they're yeah. people that live under the ground that operate in the way that a society that lives underground would operate. So it's like I appreciate that, and I think that's good. He will not have the same racial sensitivity in roughly three chapters, uh, and three chapters leads us into the next book. If you are not you know keeping track, but yeah, at least 
in previous racially insensitive books that he's written, he still treats other cultures like he treats this culture as logical actors, though. Like, even if he's painting them as kind of like a blank-faced bad guy, he at least gives their societies, like, they're not just doing something because they're bad. They're doing something because of, like, cultural reasons that he yep. gives logic and reason to and, and tries to trail that out. For, for all of his faults, he tries. He's trying. He's doing what he can in the 50s, you know. But they move forward, and travel agent Golg is like, hey, y'all should just come join us in, in Bism. Uh, it's beautiful. The, you know, we got a giant fire river that's great. And they're like, whoa, we don't actually swim in that. Like, of course we don't swim in that. That's for the fire salamanders uh, who, you know, speak with elegance and, and wit, and they're wonderfully clever. They're kind of like dragons. And, like, Jill is like, whoa. That sounds ridiculous. Why would I ever want to be around that? And Eustace is like, I suddenly have the craving for human flesh. I'm in. <laughs> Eustace is like, can you become one of these fire salamanders? Eustace is like, say less. I'm in. <laughs> Lead me to the pond so I can drink some water. And Are there any gold bracelets to put on to become fire salamanders? And Golgi's like, actually, you'd be surprised. Uh, none of that dead gold like you have on the surface got living gold where it's in your it's in your arm and you can't ever let go of it until Aslan comes down below the surface and he's like oh god it's so hot yeah they they inject it into their veins yeah but Eustace Uh, is like he's like that's kind of dope and if my friend Reepicheep the mouse was here uh, he would say, you know, we, we should never refuse an adventure, and this is the great place. And then Golg is like, of course, we all know of Reaper Chief the Mouse. Uh, His stories <laughs> have been told even in the underworld. <laughs> He's famous with us. Uh, the the beautiful mean, mouse. That, we're, ne- we're really not sure what happened to him after he went over that... Uh, that, that and the waterfall. So. Well, maybe the waterfall dumps him on the edge of the earth and leads him into Bism. Yeah, maybe... The edge of the earth is actually stone, and we've all been underground the whole time. All the stars just twist. projected onto a dome. We're just in another layer of crust, man. Uh, but, That's the pizza uh, commercial? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, Golg is like, hey, I could show you real stuff, real gold, real silver, real diamonds. It was like, we have all that. And he's like, no, 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 no. You just have like the the false scratches on the earth of those. We can show you ones that are alive, which seems sketchy. Uh, and but Rillian is like, man, adventure at heart. He is his father's son. Like my dad went to the ends of the world on a boat. I could go to the bottom of the earth, you know, with these gnomes. Like that sounds great. I mean, yeah, he's definitely attempted, and that's a character trait that I mean, I'm glad we at least learned a little bit more about him. Right. In this chapter. His his only character arc is not just like being dumb and enchanted to being yeah. like slightly less dumb and heroic. Yeah, I mean, because his original sin that led him into this place in the first place was a pursuit of revenge in the first place, but like then like beauty and adventure as portrayed by this evil witch queen that right. used him. But it's a, 
yeah, I'm still caught up on the living rocks that are kind living of rocks? Ru- rubies you can eat, diamonds you can squeeze into juice and drink. Yeah. It's a, that, that's a thing in this world, I guess. I guess. But like, is this safe for humans or is this kind of just like a gnome thing where they survive on minerals? Whereas like, there's ah, no nutritional water. value, right? Like there's no nutritional value in the underworld because there's no water. It's just fire lake. Do they no- push their trash from these things up? into the upper crust and that's how we get diamonds is it's just the discarded husk of their that's just fruit? their waste <laughs> it's just their their bodily waste we live on on a giant dump for bism could be man honestly i mean they just put it in the river fire uh and then it you know pushes up into the volcanoes that exist somewhere else not here don't worry about it don't worry about it not our story uh but Puddle Glum, once more, Man of Reason says, well, speaking of your dad, the one who went on this adventure, if you'd like to see him before he dies, because you haven't seen him in over 10 years, you probably need to leave now, because like we said, he's old and dying and on a boat. Yeah, which I mean, he speaks to the desire to live in the legacy with the idea that, like, I'm sure your dad would prefer to see you before he dies rather than you live into his legacy, which yeah. is a, a good, good Freudian psychology moment. Yeah. <laughs> Say, Hey, maybe you don't have to live into your projection of what your parents want for you. And instead actually just enjoy your parent as people. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great. That's a thing worth, worth therapizing. And really ends like, Fine, but I'm pretty sure half my heart is going to be here forever because uh, he's a real drama llama. He is, but you know where else there's llamas on the surface, and they on can the talk surface. there because we're going. And to they, the and so they make their way. Golg shows them the direction to go, and he says, "Hey, just go that way. I'm going to go into this chasm that's closing uh, because I want to be with all my gnome friends and Bism. Uh, you go that way." And they say, "Great." And then the world closes up and everything begins to flood and they make their way to the surface and insert several more pages of walking chase. But this walking is uphill, Kel. In the dark. Uphill in the dark into what was always a tunnel but becomes more clearly a tunnel. It's, uh, you know, classic C.S. Lewis. (laughs) Yeah. It's if he loves it. It's describing walking. Man, boy does he. Uh, and the only like the only things that happen here are like so chasm closes, all the gnomes are gone, it gets progressively darker because the you know underland has been flooded, and so they're walking through this tunnel. The tunnel is getting steeper, and they're approaching the ceiling like quicker and quicker, and it's getting darker somehow even though there's light on the other end but don't worry about physics here uh and puddle glum the like the, the best thing that happens after this is puddle glum gets a great joke in and he's like hey don't worry there's one good thing about being trapped underground we're gonna save on funeral expenses which like wow. hilariously very sick. solid real solid from puddle glum uh and jill's like that's not funny but i'm not gonna speak uh 
And then eventually they see a blue light and they're like, Hey, we should, we should go check that out. And they're, they run into a dead end. They get off their horses because the like ceiling has become so low. They dismount and they walk and they're like, somehow the ceiling is too low for them on horses. And eventually they're walking and it's like at head level and they see a blue light that's overhead, but somehow they can't reach it unless yeah. someone's on their shoulders, which is horse level. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It, yeah. Don't, don't worry. About it. <laughs> don't worry about physics. These Lewis didn't it. diagram out the uh, height or, or depth of this tunnel. He just, uh, no. He, he wanted them to hit the hit their head at one point and then uh and then walk. It's yeah, it is and fine. <laughs> it's fine. But again, this is like this may have felt like me zipping through things really quickly. But honestly, Chase, I don't know what else to talk about with them. It's them walking uphill yeah. in the darkness for two pages. I mean And then they and there's they the part light. where Rillian says if we die here, whether we live or die, Aslan will be our good lord. Hey, look at that. Staying faithful. Yeah, sure. Something. It's, it's something. Uh, but then they're like, hey, here's this light. It doesn't look like daylight, though I will tell you it is. I mean, it's not daylight because it's nighttime. Uh, yeah. Oh, when they said it's not quite like daylight. It's more of a cold blue light. I'm like, okay, so it's night. Cool. So it's night. Whatever. But they're <laughs> still half, breaking. That is half the day. If you really want to break it down. It's still Narnia. Uh, and so they're like, oh, like chapter ends with them just being like, Puddle Glum's like, hey, because I'm, you know, 900 feet tall with my stretched limbs. Like, you should just get on my shoulders, Jill, and then see if you can see anything. And that's how the chapter ends. Because, you know, things happened. Things happened. They're and almost once, out. They're almost out. And After once again. two chapters, they've almost left the building. Yeah. And it'll still take an, like another you know percentage of the next chapter for them to actually get into Narnia. Like, here's the thing. C.S. Lewis likes these, these cliffhangers, but just misses the mark just slightly. Because what should have happened. Spoiler alert for the next chapter is Jill is going to be like taken into Narnia. People are going to see her. They're going to grab her. Right. Uh, and like, that's why the next chapter is called the disappearance of Jill, which is kind of a misnomer, but have that be the cliffhanger where it's like, and Jill popped her head through and immediately was like ripped from bottle glum's grasp. That's a better cliffhanger. Yeah, that would be a way better cliffhanger. I would be interested what happens if that happens. Yeah. Like, end it there. Don't just say, here's a hole. Whoa, look at that hole over there. Crickets, crickets. It's, yeah. But Chase, do you have anything else that you'd <laughs> like to discuss with this chapter? I don't know. I don't think so. It's, like, uh... I mean, yeah, they just, they learn what Bism is, and then they walk up a hill. That's really, it's that's really like it. We, as we said last week, this is the issue that C.S. Lewis writes himself into sometimes of going, this should have been combined with the previous chapter. Yeah. That he that he would doesn't be the know how to pace. 
He does not Which, know like, how to pace books well. Both of these chapters were chapter length. They just wasted so much time. It's so much time with unnecessary dialogue about them walking. And it's repeated things of them walking uphill. Okay, yes, we're aware that they're going uphill. That's the direction of up. Like, yeah. The direction they have to go is yeah, up. And they should have built a balloon house. Um, like, they, they probably, sh- I mean, would have gotten there quicker, or the balloons would have just popped. Yeah, they would have fallen into the lake and drowned. That's fair. This is what would have happened if he had just made these two. One chapter, they would have escaped the castle, gone and found out what was happening in the city, learned that the gnomes are their friends and what Bism is, that they're not alone in the world, and then gotten to the exit of the underworld. Yeah, That would have been enough to be a chapter. A normal chapter link. Yeah. You don't have to add in weird dialogue. Still not the most eventful chapter in the world, but a chapter. But a chapter, right? Uh, and, you know, C.S. Lewis, master of pacing, uh, it, and it works. And, we, you know, we're here to tell you, the next few chapters, buckle in. Yeah. Because one of them is Jill getting pulled through this hole and then discovering what's on top of the hole, and then the other people following suit. And then the last chapter is them meeting up. It's it, the last chapter is going to be a very rushed version of them meeting Caspian and getting back to the real world. Yeah, all the goodbyes and going home are always super rushed because he spends all his time doing this stuff. It's it's wild. It uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the big bad has been dead for two chapters now. Like, yep. <laughs> we're still and, here, and we only spent. And a cumulative, what like with with the queen, like we her chapter and a half in one chapter, and then we saw her on the walkway, yeah, and then we killed her, yeah. So like two point one chapters, yeah, of the queen. We the never really chair, learn her motivation outside of just wanting to be queen of Narnia, I guess. Maybe we don't know, uh, but and then the silver chair we spend part of one chapter with before it gets destroyed, and then the next chapter we see it destroyed on the ground, laying in pieces. It's you know, what can you do? What can you do? You know uh, what you can do? Get an editor. <laughs> You can get an editor, and also, for the sake of us not having to do another Zoom for for a two-minute exit, uh, listeners, what you can do is continue to listen to this podcast wherever you get podcasts, whether that be Apple, Spotify, other podcatchers out there. And while you're in those places, be sure to leave us a five-star rating, a review, help other people find this podcast and explore the world of Narnia with us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcast, where we post when we've put out new episodes and uh, stuff throughout the weeks that we do that. Um, but yeah, uh, stuff will continue to happen. This book is almost over. We're almost there, guys. We're almost there. And so much of this book is good. 
yeah, we've enjoyed this book. It's just baffling. It's just it baffling just... when they keep doing this. Um, yeah. But here we are, Chase. Here we are. Here we are. At the this edge is... of the top of the bottom of the world. Bingo. Are there seven uh, layers of hell in C.S. Lewis's conception of the uh, of the underworld? Well, Chase, that's real. That's real overlandian, you know, bias you have there, assuming that hell is round. Right. I just crawl around on the surface like a fly.